The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleiner Hour health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. Power, the power of water and water life science. I'm Sharon Kleina. Many years ago, as many of you know that listen, to follow our, our I call this a radio show laboratory because we're studying all of us, every guest that comes on and I are studying to try to understand new discoveries, new ideas, new thinking, more holistic sides of, of directions of better health, new, new technology, new, new evidence that we can learn how to be a healthier planet and have healthier people. And people who want to learn more about ideas that uh, are being taught that maybe they hadn't been reading or hearing uh, or what, what maybe is not all on the Internet quite yet. So this show, the, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Power Water, Water Life Science, is a direction to go that's kind of like a water pilgrimage, I'll call it, to teach us all and bring on scientists and and investigators will call them, people who are really exploring how will the planet Earth live to be there for eternity, and then the symptoms of health, those symptoms that you complain about or hear about those diseases, those symptoms. How can we prove them and get breakthroughs? Radio shows like this one can create new ideas, stimulate new vision, new thinking, new technology, new, new th- discoveries, new entrepreneurs to think about what can we do to be a healthier planet and reach out to nature and the nature of our lives. But it has to be water primary, number one in focus. It could be other things coming along, but water is the focus because the earth would not have life without water. And that's my job and our guest job and the future of our research center, who is our sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research, is to teach the planet and keep them reminded of, let's say, our water pilgrimage, that without the water, you're going to have no health. Without the water, there'd be no planet. And if you're listening to what the reports are today on September 28, 2015, that NASA just reported that there could be, there's been a discovery of water on Mars. Now, that water that they're discovering that's on Mars, can you imagine the billions of years ago, the discovery of water with nature on the planet Earth? Now, this is where I come from, how serious this is and how exciting this exploration is. You're exploring with me. I've been studying for years, many years. I brought scientists from all over the world to my table 
from different countries and from different backgrounds. This is what is the explanation to our water on our planet. The planet has five elements. It began with wood, fire. The planet Earth began to realize something with nature called Earth. Then came the metal. Then came water to bring all of this to life. Now the water in the atmosphere has been there for billions of years before the water came to the planet Earth. But there was an evaporation that happened. And when there's an evaporation, which creates the droplet in the water vapor to have a, a breath, let's just call it a breath, a breath of, to evaporate something, the, the, to evaporate some water by air, whatever causes it, then all of a sudden the droplet of water came down called rain. And as the rain came down, Earth began to have also a recycling to evaporate and create an electrolytic rod to stimulate an energy. So the energy of the planet, the energy of the water and the air, the water vapor, then all of a sudden came the water on the surface of the planet more abundant. So then there came human life in time after all these other life began with water. Now, if water is your reason to live and the water and the vapor is your reason to keep you alive, it's nature's planning, all of a sudden you're realizing water life science application in your life is vital to your water pilgrimage for better health, let's just say. So you can have a lifestyle of if you have a symptom or a complaint or a disease diagnosed, that all of a sudden you can say, I'm going to increase my breathing correctly. I'm going to learn how to breathe that water in the atmosphere better. And we've learned, we're learning breathing is very important to staying alive and being healthy. Number two, drinking a lot of water. Safe, clean, good, healthy water. No added ingredients to it. Plain water. Good diet. Vital to your digestion to slow down the evaporation of your body water loss and maybe help those complaints and those symptoms and be a healthier you. Moderate exercise. Don't do it, overdo it every day. Be moderate. Have a rhythm with it. Have a harmony with yourself, with your exercise. And then the final sleep. The earth does all that. Goes to sleep. You need to learn how you can personally sleep so that you can have a better rest. So that what your life offers you is the miracle of embracing your life every precious moment, but it has to be with water and breathing and proper food and moderate exercise and sleeping for you to be healthy. Now, is there something embarrassing or wrong to be self-centered, to want to be healthy? You need to be healthy because you're around other people. And when you're living with other people, you need to be healthy to live with other people. And they need to be healthy to live with you. So there's a reason to be healthy. Always remember that Earth is whispering. Don't say goodbye and take everything with you. Leave something behind for all the generations and life to come to know this will be a healthier planet. But it won't be a healthy planet without water being the primary. And as I was listening to the UN talking and others discuss the politicians, I get a little concerned 
that they don't make water the primary focus of all life on earth, number one. The faith of all life, the God of all life, has got to be the water. And that is, should be your pilgrimage of your life to be healthy and to make water your primary focus. Now, today, we're going to have a very exciting guest, Brant Court. His name is Courtright, Dr. Courtright. He's a Ph.D. But before we bring him on, I'm going to remind you of some certain things. We're going to be discussing today about diet with him, lifestyle, and many things about and the brain. I want, I'm really excited he's been studying the brain. And we're going to bring you into our classroom and our laboratory of discovery. And you can overhear what is being discovered with Dr. Courtright. But remember, when you're out there primarily trying to study on the Internet about what is happening with water, go in and type in on Facebook, I care about water. And when you type in, I care about water, you'll have come up a lot of what's happening with the droughts and the crisis of water throughout the planet. Then type in Mars. What is found on Mars on September 28, 2015, the liquid water found on Mars is going to be a brand new exploration. And we'll bring on Dr. Dwayne Cecil from NASA who has become very much a part of us and what I do in my research. And Dr. Cecil and I will give you a special show about what is happening out there with the atmosphere's water vapor in the solar system that is relating to the water vapor and the evaporation of our climate change on our planet Earth. And remember, it's evaporation of body water loss in you, out of control, dehydration water loss and evaporation in the atmosphere and what is happening in the water we breathe in the atmosphere. Then the, the surface water of our planet has been lowering and there's not, a, it's, excuse me, it's all evaporating way too quickly. It's not able to recycle itself. We're going to study that with Dr. Cecil at that time. But today with Dr. Brant Cartwright, we're going to have a lot of fun because he's been doing a lot of studying and I'm going to kind of pick his brain on what he's been learning. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed. Did you know that water life science application of Nature's Tears I Missed for every day is a way to supplement the surface of your eye that is evaporating too quickly? The evaporation of the eye, the eye must maintain 99% water at the surface. And the brain and the eyes are connected together. And the brain is, the brain is up to 90% water. So if your eyes are evaporating too quickly, you're going to have anxiety. You're going to have more stress, more drowsy, and more symptoms. So remember, supplementing the surface of the eye must, would slow down the vision impairment and the symptoms of the anxiety and maybe allergies to what they say potentially is causing blindness. is not that we're evaporating, the eyes are evaporating too quickly. So remember that when you learn to use nature's tears I've missed every day like I do, I do apply it like I would I'm brushing my teeth. I'm going to make sure that I'm supplementing that surface of the eye every day so I can have a healthier eye. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed. 
with just a mist, and we'll be doc- back with Dr. Cartwright. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Cartwright, are you with us? I am with you. Hi, Sharon. Well, thank you for joining us today. I could hardly wait to pick your brains and hear what you've been discovering and learning. And before we begin, I'll tell our audience that Dr. Cartwright is a Ph.D. He's respect, he is a respected clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at California Institute of Integral Studies. His consulting practice specializes in what they say is cutting-edge brain health and neuroscience and informed in, in, a, in a lot of therapies. He is author of two previous books and psychotherapy and the spirit and a spirit as well as integral psychology. Doctor, tell us that's quite a lot you're doing, and I really understand personally what you're doing with your research there. How did you get to this one? When you started out in your practice to go off to school, you obviously wanted to be a psychologist. But you ended up with another vision. How did you get to the vision you're at now? What happened? Well, I've always been interested in human consciousness. And studying consciousness led me to psychology and also to spirituality. Because these are two important lenses by which to understand human consciousness. And as I worked with psychology and spirituality over the years, that led me to neuroscience and the brain, because we experience our consciousness through our brain. So every level of consciousness, the physical level of sensations, the emotional level of our feelings, the mental level of thoughts and images, and the spiritual level, spiritual states of consciousness, everything we experience, we experience through the brain. And so, the quality of our brain really determines the quality of our consciousness. If we have a low-quality brain, we're going to have a degraded consciousness. And if we have a high-quality brain, we're going to have the best consciousness possible. And so that's what really led me to 
learning about neurogenesis um, and to do this book, The Neurogenesis Diet and Lifestyle, which is really a holistic approach to brain health, body, heart, mind, spirit. It's the future. Have you noticed, um, <clears throat> I started well over 30 years ago, what I do in my research, but have you noticed how all of a sudden in the past decade we're now saying holistic research, holistic, holistic directions of trying to understand the symptoms of the life on the planet to maybe what, figuring out what the diseases are uh, more holistically. Have you noticed that more in the last 10 years? Yes, I think that's right. And I, I'm with you completely in thinking that this is the future. You know, there is going to be, I think, increasing amount of research done from this perspective. More and more practitioners are working holistically. But most of the research, particularly most of the research on the brain, is done by pharmaceutical companies or it's done by academic researchers looking to discover the next new drug that they can make a fortune on. Holistic research doesn't happen so much because most of the things are free, right? Most of the treatments are free or readily available. But there are some people doing holistic research, and what it's showing is that this actually may be, right now, it's the most fruitful way to protect the brain and even prevent Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. There is a uh, research center here in California called the Buck Institute of Aging. And they did a, you know, Alzheimer's is a huge problem, as you know. Oh, it's that something that be, it, it begins decades before we see symptoms. And right now, according to the American Alzheimer's Association, one in three seniors dies either with Alzheimer's or some other form of dementia. And within a few years, when a person reaches 85, they will have a 50% chance of having Alzheimer's. Right. And since most of us are expected to live to be 85, that gives each of us a 50-50 chance of developing Alzheimer's. So this, that's pretty scary. The fascinating part problem. about it, doctor, is I've been studying evaporation of the human body to the point of dehydration and then the atmosphere's evaporation and the connection of that recycling and the body water. Uh, uh-huh. Mine has all been evaporation. Uh, the, thing, the one thing I've noticed is that in Alzheimer's, a person can be almost very healthy at one moment and within a few weeks, a few months, all of a sudden, the symptoms keep getting worse and worse. Um, uh-huh. And to the point that all of a sudden, within moments, uh, within when it finally does take their life, it's almost like it happens so suddenly and, because it snuck up on them and the family and the, those around them, and they didn't really notice it. Uh, uh-huh. Like, uh, And I'm kind of looking at it this way, doctor, in my studies and my team. Um, they overlooked something in holistic science is the evaporation process of the body. And that evaporation in the brain. Uh, And what took my attention to it is many years ago, I had been studying the skin as a relationship to evaporation. 
living in the atmosphere and what it was happening. And I was really worried about melanoma and the problems there for the future. Well, then ophthalmology research brought me to the table to study the eye because of the evaporation of the eye. And the eye drops cause an evaporation when anything touches that eye. There's another evaporation. And the eyes must maintain a 99% moisture level, water level. And, and when, the more we studied it and the more time passed, we could see that when that eyelid is open, living with the atmosphere's water vapor that is evaporating, and then the evaporation of the eyes, that we've lost the fact that the eyes are evaporating too quickly to severe dehydration, which can eventually lead to blindness. Now, what I'm leading you to is the eye and the brain connect in the womb at the same moment of the beginning of both of those organisms. They connect together for nature's reason. And when nature connects to create a recycling of what is happening with the energy electrolytically, the brain is needing is operating on water, but the surface of the eye is operating on water. What I learned is that when people go under more stress, more stress of anxiety, unknown, and you're, you're right on about the religious um, an analogy, that if a person is more, has a strong, strong faith in living not in themselves but away from themselves in to the breath of life we have and to the God of whatever you want to call of life we have away from ourselves, the anxiety and the stress would slow down, but also with the evaporation. Uh-huh. So you're right sure. on about your way of, of connecting the psychology uh-huh. with the analogy of the holistic side. And that's where bringing the holistic research back into our science again of, of study. And it, it is science, holistic. It is yeah. a, a new idea, technology. But yeah. I'm, I'm going back and forth to China a lot. We're launching in China with a bioengineering group of what we do with Nature Series IMIST to, to people in China. But we're not approaching it, even though we're in the medical field. We're getting into it very holistically. Even though we're in the medical field, Holistically, how do you approach people with how to educate themselves about health? Holistically, it's much easier than them going to a shelf and picking something up and using it, not knowing exactly what it is. So you're right on the right path. You're, you're to be commended with your, uh, your vision there. Uh, it's very interesting to hear you talk about the role of water in this because my former mother-in-law developed Alzheimer's um, and dementia. And part of what the doctor said was that she was dehydrated. She started drinking water, a lot more water, and she snapped out of it. Um, so it certainly makes sense that our hydration levels and our brain function are very linked. And also the link between the brain and the eye is also uh, quite powerful, not only developmentally, but in terms of DHA levels. Um, So the brain is made up, in terms of the solid matter, it's made up of about two-thirds fat. And of that fat, one-third of it is DHA. And the other place where DHA is highly concentrated is in the eye. 
So both for the eye and for the brain, DHA, which is an omega-3 fatty acid, are extremely important. And most people get far too little omega-3 fatty acids in their diet. Mm -hmm. Um, Having a good amount of omega-3, either through fish or through a supplement, is very important for people's brain health, as well as their eye health. So now, just this connection between the, the brain and the eye, it's interesting. Right, right. That is very good. Now, into the diet, you know, we've had physicians, and I know a lot of physicians on my team, science, uh, surgeons, are very much into diet now with their patients. What have you been, now that you brought up the diet at this point here in our show, what are you finding? How do they, well, let's say a person is wanting to be vegan, and they're very, and vegan, and yet they don't believe in all those supplements. They want to food to do it. What is your thinking on that analogy? Okay, good. So the, probably the biggest problem with the vegan diet is the difficulty of getting omega-3 fatty acids. Mm-hmm. Um, they did this one experiment with monkeys where they raised a set of monkeys on a low omega-3 diet and they raised another set of monkeys on a high omega-3 diet. And afterwards, they looked at their brains and the brains of the low omega-3 diet monkeys were very simple, undifferentiated brains. And the brains of the high omega-3 diet monkeys, those brains were very complex very richly differentiated, almost like human beings. So when it comes to the brain, complexity is good. We want to see complexity. And omega-3 is really helpful for giving that complexity. So if you are a vegetarian or a vegan and don't want to eat fish or fish oil, um, people have been saying, well, you can take flax oil or you can take chia seeds. Well, it turns out that's actually not true. Those are a form of omega-3, but not a form that the brain can really make use of. So omega-3 fatty acids consist of three different fatty acids, ALA, EPA, and DHA. Let's let's repeat that again for the audience. It's three for a reason. So there's one that's called what now? ALA. ALA. The other one is EPA. EPA. And then DHA. DHA. And when you do fish oil, you get mostly EPA and DHA. And again, DHA is the main one you want. Mm -hmm. But when you do flax oil or chia seeds oil, what you get is ALA. Mm -hmm. Now, the body will convert a little bit of ALA to DHA, but only something like 5 or 7%. And that's for a healthy 18-year-old. For older people, it's very, very little. And so they've done research to show that actually by supplementing with flax oil or chia seeds, you don't increase the DHA in your bloodstream or in your brain. So are you recommending a a person takes both of those? Or is there a supplement that does all three? There's a new one that has now come out that is for vegans and vegetarians, derived from algae. And it turns out that the algae form has a lot of EPA in it, and the EPA does convert to DHA. Mm-hmm. So there actually is an increase in your blood level and your brain level of DHA 
if you supplement with the algae form of an omega-3 fatty acid. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Now, yes, I did, because I've studied algae. Now, it does, the algae comes in a tablet. How does that come? I think it comes in a capsule, and I think there's capsule. a few companies that make it. Um, but if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, that would be the way to go because that's the only way you're really going to increase the DHA level in your brain. And when you increase the DHA level in your brain, <clears throat> you are increasing its complexity and you're also increasing the rate of neurogenesis. Mm-hmm. Now, let me explain what neurogenesis yeah, is. Yeah, that's what Neuro- the thing I was going to get you to, uh, to teach us, right? So neurogenesis is the process of making new brain cells. It's the genesis, the generation of new neurons. Now, it used to be thought that the brain stopped growing new brain cells when we reached our early 20s. And after that, it was just a slow die-off. But then in the late 1990s, it was discovered that actually the brain makes new brain cells throughout our entire lifetime. Now, they didn't know what the significance of this was for a long time, but in the last few years, they've discovered that our rate of neurogenesis has a profound influence on the quality of our life and the quality of our brain. So a low rate of neurogenesis, that is, a low rate at which the brain is making new brain cells, is associated with cognitive decline, with memory problems, with anxiety, with stress, and with depression. And the eyes. It would have to have the eyes, too. Maybe. Um, I, I've been mostly looking at the brain literature, but it'd be interesting to also look at the eye literature as well. Um, and it turns out that a high rate of neurogenesis, that is, a high rate of the brain making new brain cells, is associated with the opposite, with cognitive enhancement, with rapid learning, rapid problem solving, with robust emotional resilience and protection against stress, anxiety, and depression, as well as heightened immunity. So it turns out that just about all of us can increase our rate of neurogenesis by five times. I'm sorry. I have a chocolate lab in my office, and she did something (laughs) for the first time. I'm sorry. Okay, so we can increase the rate of our neurogenesis by at least five times, probably actually even more than that since new research has come out, but at least by five times with, again, profound influences on the quality of our life, on our cognition, our emotion, our physical health, even our spiritual health. And so this book is really trying to collect all of the different streams of research on neurogenesis in one place to really show that we can be operating at a higher level than we are now because just about all of us are, are living well below our capacity. That we I agree live in with a that. Very, I've, that's what we, I've been finding too. Yeah, we live in a very neurotoxic world. We're, I have to take cool. one break. If I'm going to have to take a moment uh, here for one break okay. only. I only do it once. And we're going to come back and you're going to teach us and we're going to try to to discuss in this classroom or laboratory what I totally agree with you that the more holistic side of this research has to be done for people to have a better quality and maybe a longer life. 
Uh, yes. Don't go anywhere, doctor. We'll be right back. Okay. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist to supplement the surface of your eyes so you can slow down the evaporation. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Cartwright. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Our guest today is Dr. Brant Cartwright, Ph.D., who is, we've been discussing neuro, neurogenesis, diet, and a lifestyle. And he was teaching us about the brain, and I totally agree with my research and my team that the brain has been overlooked holistically in research. Doctor, explain to the audience again, neurogenesis again. So they understand when we go forward here, some of the things you're going to teach us. Yeah, good. So neurogenesis again is the process of making new brain cells, how the brain creates, gives birth, to new brain cells throughout our entire life. And it turns out that there is a slowdown in the rate of neurogenesis in middle age and another slowdown in old age. But it also now is clear that that doesn't need to happen. That actually at any age, we can increase our rate of neurogenesis at least by five times, in old age by three to five times, and probably more than that but that the way to do that is through a holistic approach, body, heart, mind, spirit. And let me just pick up some, something else I wanted to go back to that, that got dropped, having to do with the Buck Foundation and their holistic research. <clears throat> so we were talking about how Alzheimer's is a huge problem and how it's going to afflict at least half of the adult population that reaches age 85. Well, the pharmaceutical companies have been doing a great deal of research trying to come up with drugs to prevent it or to treat it or to cure it. They've spent literally billions of dollars now on drug trials, hundreds and hundreds of drug trials. And thus far, it has been a complete failure. They know that, too. abject failure. Nothing has come up. excuse me for just a second. They know that, too, and they're frustrated. Um, yes. Because what happened in the society of people, they'd go, they wouldn't go to the doctor until all of a sudden the symptom became what could be an out-of-control 
disease. They go rushing into the doctor and want the doctor to hurry up and do a quick fix. And it's kind of like the food companies would go in, they they made sure your taste is being satisfied with a craving. People have that. Uh, they didn't want to do a, have a more holistic, more harmony, rhythm way to be healthy or healthier or solve the symptom. They wanted a quick fix. Yes. Am I, do you yeah, think, I think I'm right. That's, that's absolutely right, that, um, that the quick fix, when it comes to the brain, doesn't seem to work. Again, no, none of it's complete working. None of the diseases are out of control. Yeah. Right. And it turns out that the Buck Foundation here has done some research to show that actually a holistic approach to cognitive decline and Alzheimer's may be the only way that we can actually stop this or even reverse it. So they did a study late last year. This came out just before my book was published. And essentially what they did was a very simplified version of what is in the book, in my book. And so a body, heart, mind, spirit approach. And what they found is that people who had experienced cognitive decline and memory loss to the point of even having to leave their jobs because of poor memory were able to reverse it. Their memory came back and they were able to go back to work for the two years that they followed them in this study. And then a few months ago, a Finnish study was done, which was the first randomized controlled study. Again, from a holistic perspective, very, very simple though from what is in the book. And they also found that people who were at risk for cognitive decline didn't experience that for the two years that they followed them. So right now it looks like a holistic approach to brain health and to Alzheimer's and cognitive decline and dementia is the only thing that works. There is nothing yet that has been discovered that will work. And the time to, to start with this is now, as you're saying, because the the process of Alzheimer's begins decades before we see symptoms. And by the time we see symptoms, things have already progressed to a pretty severe degree. I'm going to ask you something here uh, that came through my mind when you were talking about what they were testing with, mm -hmm. um, was it they were tested with rats or mice? uh, With human beings. With what? what? With human human beings. Oh, they tested with human beings. I I also think we need to start testing. Now, don't misunderstand me about vegan and vegetation, what there goes on there, but I do believe horticulturally that the plant life teaches us a lot of the evaporation problems Uh uh, of what's happening with evaporation because I'm convinced the direction to go to include in all this, and I'd like to see it done throughout the world, is studying the evaporation of the person individually. Because as you know, when that person's born and it came from that pocket of water and entered into the delivery spot, it, from there on, the water vapor in the atmosphere is, re- is recycling with the, the body, of uh, the human body, to slow that evaporation down. And the human body is evaporating from that moment to death. The organs inside the body, body are all indiv- separately evaporating, separately. And when that baby was born, there are new to eyes alike, fingerprints, and even more. So there's a signal, maybe. But the plant life to study with our, our earth 
and understanding what is happening with this evaporation in the atmosphere and the evaporation with our lives on the planet and the surface of the water on the planet is kind of like what we're learning out in the solar system with NASA. Away from the planet, it is also having an evaporation, but that's what sparked the first life to come from the droplet of water was the evaporation of that signal to drop water down to Earth for the first time. But it all began to recycle with evaporation. And where I'm coming from is you're right on uh, with the future of what you're saying. There is no question that eventually that holistic side of that research is going to find the problems to those uh, symptoms. And I call them symptoms. because. but, But you know what we have to do too, doctor, is our education, our pilgrimage of education holistically is, like you said, in a very philosophical, very religiously manner, like a pilgrimage, that people have to, when the the baby goes home from the hospital, the mother and the father should have a class, not Uh just go home. Uh And I don't know if it should be before the baby's born so much as as Uh what when the baby's born, so that when the baby goes home, the baby, they're learning how to teach the baby how to breathe. Because have you ever noticed that in Alzheimer's, people don't know how to breathe well? (sighs) Breathing in and out that atmosphere is what Earth does itself every day. It's breathing Mm -hmm. in, it's breathing out. That's Mm -hmm. why I started studying Tai Chi and Qigong. Because Mm -hmm. I can see that way back in time, thousands of years ago in China, there was, a, there was something that they learned about the harmony of that energy electrolytically in that water and the atmosphere because of the evaporation and the spark plug, let's call it, to live with our, our bodies. But there are no two bodies really exactly alike. So when it comes time for the brain in ophthalmology research and when we started studying the evaporation of the eye and in ophthalmology research throughout the world now they're learning that evaporation of the eye is causing the vision impairment and when the eye drop touches the eye it also causes another evaporation that the atmosphere is not able to keep up but if the eyes and the brain are connected at the same moment in the womb as organisms, why did nature do that, doctor? There was a purpose for them to connect together. Yeah, it's very interesting. And and this connection between breathing and Alzheimer's is quite interesting, too. When you get Alzheimer's, generally there's... um, the rate of neurogenesis goes down, the hippocampus shrinks, the brain just shrivels up. And as a consequence, the person experiences more anxiety. When they experience more anxiety, they breathe more with their upper chest rather than diaphragmatic breathing. So you're right. Often with anxiety, with anxious breathing, it's not very efficient breathing. Well, in fact, if they breathe correctly, it almost doesn't hurt because they haven't been breathing correctly for a long time. Right, right. And then you mentioned the dehydration effect. I'm glad you brought that up because it is so true. And I've had on my show the Lactation Association here in the United States, and I brought up to the individual who heads that to nurse babies when they're born. And, of course, we are, they're now drink, they're drinking a formula if they're not nursing. 
could that possibly be too, too, uh, a dehydrator? Uh, and because of, of the yeah. sweetness, maybe they should start drinking water sooner, if not right away. And then she said, the individual said, well, maybe they drink, the water would fill them up and they wouldn't drink enough milk. Well, to me, one of the most important parts of their taste buds and their life is water to support the water they just lost because they left the womb to, to try to balance that out in the individual system of, of the body of the new life that just came to our planet. But that's me. I'm looking at it that way. But you're back to the, the, the brain and the diet. Now, when you're teaching diet, what type of diet do you teach? Well, <clears throat> it turns out there's a number of things to, that it would be good to be, make sure are part of our diet. And it would be, it's also um, the case that there are a number of things we should not eat as well or, or minimize. So it's really a two-pronged strategy. We want to reduce or avoid those things that are neurotoxic and which erode the quality of our brain and life. And the second part is we want to do those things that increase neurogenesis and increase the quality of our brain in our life. So one of the worst things for the brain is sugar and a high-carbohydrate diet. Um, That raises blood sugar levels. That um, It's estimated that 80% of the population has... um, insulin resistance to some degree. Now, you can just chart on a graph insulin resistance, glucose levels, and cognitive decline. They go together just about perfectly and exactly. I didn't know that. So so a high-carbohydrate diet, which is what the government has been pushing for the past 30 or 40 years, is in part, response. in fact, is a large part responsible for this obesity epidemic and diabetes epidemic and heart disease epidemic. And what we need to do is replace sugar particularly, but even carbohydrates, if you are at all insulin resistant, with healthy fats. We need a lot of good healthy fats, and we also need to stay away from unhealthy bad fats. So teach our audience what that means, because a lot of times we take it for granted what is yeah. unhealthy fat? Yeah, unhealthy fat is an oxidized fat, meaning a fat that has become rancid through heat or oxygen. So, for example, fried food, any kind of fried food is terrible for your brain. It oxidizes the fats in the food, and when those oxidized fats get into your bloodstream through digestion, what they do is they oxidize the cholesterol in your bloodstream. And that oxidized cholesterol produces heart disease, hardening of the arteries, and it also produces inflammation. And inflammation is also one of the ravages of the modern diet. Um, Inflammation is known as the silent killer. It's one of the big things behind heart disease, and it also slows your rate of neurogenesis to a crawl. You want to eat a low inflammatory diet, an anti-inflammatory diet. Now, when you and say so, the word fried, I'm going to, because, you know, our, our modern, our words that were invented, when you say the word fried, does that mean when they're frying something, it's with 
a, a butter or grease or olive oil or it's always something to fry it in or is it just the fact that the food you're frying, it's just the um, frying of the food yeah, that changes good, the food? Good. good. It's both. Both. So, <clears throat> so both. high temperature changes high temperature. fat. You don't want there that. we go. That's and, what I was after. And what you cook it in also determines it. So cooking with vegetable oil is terrible because it oxidizes at a very low temperature and it's terrible for your brain. So you want to cook with a saturated fat, meaning coconut oil, butter, or ghee, or tallow, or lard. Those things are safe to cook in. But still you don't want to cook in high temperature. They did this one experiment where they looked at people who ate fish one to three times a week, and they discovered they had 16% more gray matter, more neurons, in the higher processing centers of their brain, unless they ate fried fish, in which case there was no difference. The fish needs to be cooked at a lower lower temperature, not fried, and not cooked in a vegetable oil. Go slow. What? Go slow, okay. Cook the fish Sorry. slowly. Not because yeah, the only the reason slowly. people put it right. on high temperature to go fast. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Right. And so we need to stay away from vegetable oils in cooking. Even mm-hmm. olive oil, we shouldn't cook with. It's better on a salad, better cooled. Or if you have to cook with it, it only things at very low temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing we want is lots of good healthy fats. That are things like avocados, nuts grass-fed beef, pastured eggs, pastured dairy products, Mm -hmm. fish. Um, Omega-3 fatty acids, of course, are hugely important, but all kinds of healthy fats. You know, if we want to build a good high-end house, we use high-quality materials. We don't use rotting wood or decaying wood. Mm -hmm. It's it's similar with the brain. To build a high-quality brain, Mm-hmm. We need lots of high-quality fats, mm-hmm. and we need things that increase the rate of neurogenesis. Mm-hmm. And the book goes into 30 or 40 different nutrients that increase our rate of neurogenesis. So omega-3 fatty acids are one of these. Blueberries are another. Blueberries are like miracle grow for the brain. The mm-hmm. brain just explodes with new neurons mm-hmm. with blueberries. It's also anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. However, when we produce new brain cells, some of those die off. Actually, about half of them die off unless we do other things. So that's why this is a holistic approach. Body, heart, mind, spirit. They all work together synergistically better than just one of them alone. Mm -hmm. So one other additional nutrient called hesperidin, which is a bioflavonoid from citrus fruits, What hesperidin does is it prevents the new brain cells from dying off. It protects them. So just about 100% of these new brain cells then can survive. How do you spell that, doctor? H-E-S-P-E-R-I-D-I-N. Hesperidin. Okay. And again, there's much more in the book that we don't have time for here. Right. Eating well means eating foods that increase our rate of neurogenesis and not eating foods that decrease our rate of neurogenesis. Mm -hmm. And there are other things, emotionally, mentally, 
spiritually, and also even physically. Like certain kinds of exercise, for example, promote neurogenesis at, at a high level, whereas other kinds of exercise don't have much effect on it. Like yoga, for example, is a wonderful form of exercise. It helps the person de-stress and relax. Breathing. Weight lifting. Breathing. Weight lifting. Break, yes, breathing. Weight lifting is good. But these exercises don't have any effect on neurogenesis. The type of exercise that increases our rate of neurogenesis is aerobic exercise. So aerobic exercise is anything that gets us breathing fast. So running, walking quickly, going upstairs or up a mountain, biking, swimming, I fast back to camping. that nature's breathing again, because when you're doing that, you're having yes, to breathe. Yes, exactly. Unconsciously, you're doing it. Yes, getting a lot of oxygen into your system stimulates neurogenesis, stimulates the brain to produce a lot of good chemicals, such as BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is great for just so many things, including neurogenesis. Now, we only have a moment left, so how do they find your book? Okay, it's available. It's the Neurogenesis Diet and Lifestyle. It's available on Amazon, or you can order it through any bookstore. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to my website, which is brandquotewright.com, or the book also has a website called neurogenesisdiet.com, where you can read the first chapter. Mm-hmm. I bet you're in pursuit, because this is the, the, this is the future. You're right I on think it. It's I'd, I'd like too. to see you join yeah. my team uh, with what we're doing uh, in China, we've got an exciting team there. They're really into how we apply uh, water life science to our application and uh, how we look at more holistic directions of our healthiness and our new lifestyle. That's very interesting. That's great. It's nice to talk with you. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I know you're going to be on a mission with this. Well, thank you so much for having me, and thank you also for helping to spread the word about neurogenesis. Thank you. You have a nice day. And you, you too. Do well. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, I'm sure you learned a lot. I did. Uh, he brought up some things that t- I taught myself and all of us so much that uh, this is something you need to be aware of, as when you're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour power of water, water life science now, is the application to your everyday life is a new direction, new lifestyle, new fun, new excitement, an adventure. And when you're thinking about your life and you get out of bed in the morning and the adventure of your life for yourself and what you can do with it and learning, can you possibly learn enough? It is impossible. And when we bring these guests on from all over the world, and they had been from all over the world, and we've been in different countries, and to listen to their research and their discoveries and their developments and what they've been understanding, you're going to find out more and more here from now on the holistic description. For you to know, way back in time, they called it holistic research. And the scientists that were, didn't have a shingle on the wall that were doing the greatest research results for thousands of years were not those who, quote, had a degree, but really pursued how to feel better, how to be healthier, and were willing to learn and go out into the life of our planet, I say, and learn. And uh, they took time. 
It was very, let's say, Confucius. Very time. It took a lot of time. And then it was after the 1800s that, like Dr. Cortlett said, they got into more medicine. And even our doctors that are studying medicine are wanting to understand more about what the medicine is doing. My world is what is it cause, doing to cause more evaporation, to body water loss, to de-severe dehydration that causes severe symptoms and to death. But I want to thank you for listening today. I know that you, uh, we talked about Mars and water and the pursuit of our pilgrimage with water. But embrace your life and somebody else's too because we're all living on this planet together. But Earth whispers, don't say goodbye. Leave something very special of yourself behind for all the generations of children to come. I want to thank you for listening and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Oh,